0: see which is obvious social media engagement I don't know that all the platforms will be the same down the road but I do think that they'll still be there and engaging all of the channels if your higher ed education institution if each professor if each department does not have social media platforms where they're engaging subgroups they should be you want to build communities You wanna share information. You want to actually use digital platforms to address concerns.
1: The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning.
0: Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning.
1: Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University.
0: Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast.
2: Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. My name is Mike Jones, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. How are you, Brad? Hey, Mike. Thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled that you're here. These are hard to do by myself. Well, today we are going to be jumping right back in with Ann Zeiser, talking about transmedia and personal branding and filmmaking and all those interesting things. If you didn't catch part one, please go back and listen to it now. It should be on your favorite podcast provider. For now, we're just going to jump right back in. Welcome back to the show, Ann.
0: Well, Mike, I am delighted to be back. This has been so much fun and I can't wait to keep going with you guys, guys. both of you, Mike and Brett.
2: Awesome. Thank you. And here we go right back into our questions.
1: I was thinking, as you were describing the iceberg, I was thinking about uh, who I think is the best interviewer alive today. And that is Howard Stern. When he has guests on like Paul McCartney, Barbara Streisand, Keith Richards, it's like you're listening in on a conversation between two friends and you're finding out all of the stuff below the waterline. That yes. connects perfectly with who they are in your own head. So that's a great analogy. And,
0: yeah. And I believe that we hunger. One of the things that's wrong with social media is that, at least from what I see, is that people are curating above the waterline on their Facebook page and they're creating these artificial worlds of the perfect, well behaved and well dressed children and the perfect <laughs> vacation, the perfectly articulated meal. And it's, artificial and unsustainable yeah. and it's not real and i think one of the reasons why i think we hunger for the below the water line brad and i think one of the reasons that julia child was so successful is because she would be on set at one of my home institutions wgbh where the french chef was created and she would drop her food on the ground and say, that happens all the time in the kitchen. (laughs) She was literally the first person on television who was human and below the water. And she took off. She was not a movie star. She was human. And up until that point, authentic. And up until that point, movie stars and everybody who was on television was highly curated. We hunger for authenticity. Mm -hmm. We hunger for the core truth of who each other are.
1: Let me give you a quick example. Howard Stern was interviewing Billy Joel, and he told the story of Paul McCartney was going to come to his house. And he was thrilled, so excited. But about 10 minutes before Paul McCartney arrived, he remembered that Paul McCartney was a vegetarian. So he went through his refrigerator (laughs) and pulled out all of the meat and was hiding it in cupboards. So the palmerford
0: <laughs> wouldn't
2: see the meat in his refrigerator.
0: I love it. That's I awesome. Think, what is the the karaoke one in the car with I know what you're talking about. I can't think
2: of the name of it either. Yeah.
0: I think that being in the car is disarming for people and I think that the comedian whose name is not coming to mind does the same thing. You get them in the car and they're driving down the street. They always say you want to talk to your kid, put them in the car. And then you can have a better conversation that I think that does it as well. I think those interviews tend to be, they're yeah. singing and talking. Put them I in the car and take
2: them. their phone away and then you can have a yeah. conversation. I I talk with leaders quite a bit about their brands. And so whether it's a leader of a church, like a past senior pastor or uh, our chancellor at the university, I try and talk with them about why their personal brand is important to infuse into the message of the larger organizational Mm -hmm. brand. And so Mm -hmm. in almost every single case I get back, it's not about me. I don't want it to be about me. But what they're not realizing, I don't think in a lot of cases is that it is about them. Like if they're the leader of the ship, the ship may be one thing, but they're the pilot. And so their communication has to be, like you said, authentic and on brand for who they are to communicate about the larger brand. And so it's always an interesting conversation. And once they finally give in and allow the branding work to be done, I think they realize how it intersects with the bigger picture of, so say our university, the brand of Indiana Wesleyan University is one thing, but the brand of the president, isn't off-brand. He's in submission, if you will, to that larger brand identity, but he's got his own identity. And if he's not authentic in the way he communicates his own way and what he does, or our chancellor in her way, then there's a break. And there's a break in that trust. And so when I think about higher ed institutions and how many are struggling right now to recover from this post-pandemic world that we live in, what advice would you share about current transmedia platforms and... The trends that are running in higher ed marketing, right? So there's, you said pick three. What three should a university be on and how would that help them in their marketing?
0: Wow. Okay. I, let me think about, let me ho- hold off on the, um, of the course, three platform for one moment and just talk about the trends first. And then I will try to pick three among four or five that I've identified. I think that on the upside, we're talking about this post-pandemic world. People are increasingly comfortable with communicating via online and digital platforms, um, whether it's Zoom or social media. Yeah. But on the downside is that the amount of personal connection that you can have through digital platforms is always limited. And and we know that there is research that tells us that students do generally, especially young kids, do better in a physical classroom than they do on Zoom. And many people experienced that during the pandemic if they had kids. So I think that puts greater onus on all of us, but on higher ed institutions and especially higher ed institutions like yours that operate um, remotely or hybrid to create moments of collective experience and personal connection. And that's really what your job is. And it It is not only the knowledge that you are imparting, but it is the engagement with your students that is of paramount importance. That is, if you can connect them with a personal anecdote and then what follows is a piece of information, it's going to stick. But if you just say, This is what you need to know, and you know this as educators, but educating isn't that far off from marketing. You have to have the emotional connection for the information to stick. And Mm. it has to be authentic and it has to be relevant. So I Mm. see some trends across the board that apply to higher ed. Some of these are gonna get to your platforms. I, I don't know which one will be the top three, but I'll take a gander when I'm done. I see certainly an evolving landscape for all of us in the future, driven a lot by technological advancements, but also student desire for connection And a real focus on delivering value and relevance to your students. I think that you're going to start to see a lot of personalization and data-driven marketing in higher education. So analytics are going to become very important in personalizing messages, say, to prospective students and current students. And I think that traditionally people have looked a lot at demographics, which is age and gender, geography, and all of that. But I think psychographics are where it's at for the future. And what that really means is attitudes and what you like to do and what are your opinions. I think that, for instance, a 19 year old student and a 32 year old student who are both really interested in anime are going to have far more in common with each other than one random 19 and another Mm -hmm. 20-year-old student where demographics. So it's really about understanding what makes people tick. And I think that's going to be a big trend that you're going to see in all of marketing, but in higher ed. I think this gets at one of your platforms, Mike. I think that virtual and augmented reality. And I have very mixed feelings about it, but I think that they can be very great marketing tools for higher ed institutions, creating immersive experiences for prospective students. If you can't get on campus, or if you can't afford to look at a school and be at a school, or you don't really have access to what the experience would be like in a remote classroom at that institution you can create experiences using this technology that can show how interactive learning experiences may happen on campus and you may teach that way more you can showcase facilities and and programs that kind of thing i see influencer marketing becoming more prevalent in higher education and i don't oh, mean people and i don't mean the dark side of influencer marketing which is where people are I don't know, becoming famous for wearing cute clothes on social media. I actually mean ambassadors, higher education ambassadors. So that's students and faculty and staff who are collaborating with various academic communities online to promote universities and share authentic experiences, whether it be chats online, alumni making themselves available through LinkedIn sessions about how to network, all sorts of ways to use the current goldmine that you have at your institution to reach out. I see, which is obvious, social media engagement. I don't know that all the platforms will be the same down the road, but I do think that they'll still be there and engaging all of the channels if your higher ed education institution, if each professor... If each department does not have social media platforms where they're engaging subgroups, they should be. You want to build communities. You want to share information. You want to actually use digital platforms to address concerns. Now, you obviously... You could look at what's going on with Hamas and Israel, and these are very difficult conversations to have, but it's important right. that institutions figure out a way to have them publicly in today's mm-hmm. world. Back to transmedia, content marketing and storytelling, like we were talking about before. You want to share compelling stories, testimonials, engaging content about campus life, success stories of alumni, unique programs that you might have to help you connect with um, audiences at an emotional level. I think, obviously, you are an institution with hybrid and uh, online learning. You want to focus on how remote or hybrid or online programs em- and emphasize how they create opportunity, how they're flexible and how they can be of high quality. They're accessible and they're innovative. These programs are innovative, and they're on the leading edge of where higher education is going. And it's not a secondary option for education, but really a primary choice. Right. And then I think for all of us, I think higher education institutions need to continue to think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, showcasing your commitment to it through your marketing, reflecting diverse students and populations and campus inclusive environments, whether that be online or physical, and also sustainability and ethical practices. I think it's very important in today's and future world to highlight what kind of social responsibility your institution has. And it's increasingly important to students and young people who are finding their way that they're connected. If I were to pick three platforms, I I would say website for a higher education institution, websites should, should always be prime. I, that's never going to go away. I would say maybe YouTube. I think that video, you know, if you're not hosting it on your website, and I am speaking to people under the age of 40 now, they are they don't watch television. They're huge consumers of YouTube. And then maybe I would, I'm going to add a fourth. I would say LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is underutilized for its professional communities. And I think that uh, there are, is a lot of good idea sharing on LinkedIn. Um, a lot of young people don't get it, but I don't think they've used it. And I would say social media. As yeah. I said, it's never going to go away. It's going to change. But I think that you can pick one platform that your institution feels most comfortable with.
2: Hmm. That's It's been and really fascinating sure run... watching. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, and make sure it's run by somebody who really is, gets the brand, gets the institution's brand, gets the president's brand, uh, understands the different departments within that institution, has that big picture.
2: I, I find it fascinating how the social media platforms have evolved into their separate categories. So you've got TikTok, which is entertainment, influencer culture, in the moment. You've got LinkedIn, which is professional networking. You've got Facebook, which is now making a shift back towards personal relationships versus ads. So you've got Facebook stories now to the ad engine of Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then you've Mm -hmm. got Twitter, which is now X. And that's in the moment. If you're not on there all the time, you're going to lose your audience because it's a yesterday's news is yesterday's news. Today's news is today's Mm -hmm. news on those platforms. Mm -hmm. And so watching and navigating those platforms, I think is a constant goal of any social media manager, or challenge, I should say. So we've talked a lot about branding and personal branding. So how can knowing a personal brand help faculty members appear more authentic to their students?
0: Obviously, you want to connect to your brand essence. You want to be authentic, all of that. Use personal stories, show vulnerability provide context, laugh in the moment. What I wanted to say about faculty and staff is that while you have a lot of media platforms at your disposal, like your social media platforms, your LinkedIn, all of that, that's talking the talk. I think it's really important to walk the walk as well. And what I mean by that is, and it means doing extra work, but it's It really gets back to authenticity and reaching certain audiences really well. And that is, think about creating a blog. Think about doing, hosting an online club for a small set of students with an interest in some subset of what you're about. Go the extra mile and do something with your audiences that is really a gift to them. So that your brand isn't just about you going out and talking on your platforms, but do something interactive with that sense of community and connection with
2: Mm -hmm. your students. Love that. That's hospitality, right? Absolutely. Let's
1: circle back to Anne's career. You've done a whole variety of things been on marketing teams, working in government offices, classrooms, writing desks, and now you find yourself doing filmmaking. Why have you chosen filmmaking at this point in your career?
0: Let's see. I would say that documentary films is not new to me. It's been part of my career for the past 20 years in one capacity or another. I've been producing them. I've been branding and marketing them. I've been creating social impact campaigns around them. What I'm doing right now is the social impact documentary is a combination of a lot of aspects of my career. And it's gone full circle to my very first professional job, which is I was a news producer. And I'm all about the storytelling, whether it's in my music or in my professional life. I love weaving a narrative. And so as I said about my elevator pitch about operating at the nexus of storytelling, marketing, and social change, I am now about creating story, largely documentary films, and marketing on a lot of different platforms, and using that holistic narrative to fuel social impact around issues that I care about deeply. So right now, I'm developing um, a project around the upcoming solar eclipse in April, of 2023, which will be a full total eclipse, and it includes a live stream, a documentary film about the science and symbolism of eclipses, a digital series, a website, online educational lesson plans, and a lot of multi-form plot content that all kind of converge around catalyzing a social impact campaign around the stewardship of the planet and compassion for humanity, both of which I think we need more of. And my point of view and my producing partner's point of view is that eclipses traditionally, through all cultures, have given us moments of contemplation. And I would like to use this upcoming total eclipse as an opportunity to take a step back and do a reset.
2: So that's in April 2024, right?
0: I'm sorry. Yes. April of 2024.
2: Awesome. And the example you provided just
1: illustrates the significance of transmedia. As you've not just talked about making a film, you have all these other resources and connection points for people to take advantage of.
0: That's right. So we're reaching teachers and students through PBS Learning Media, which is the largest digital learning platform for K through 12. That's going to be a completely different audience that would watch the documentary film in all likelihood, which might be a very different audience that would look at the digital series on online or on YouTube. So that's it. It combines yeah. the transmedia. Hopefully it's a cohesive brand when we pull all the pieces together. And the social impact.
2: Brad, you've had some deadlines, but I don't know if you've ever had a, a deadline like that. <laughs> no,
1: definitely not. Okay, so Anna, I'm going to hire you oh, to do a documentary. And uh-huh. you can pick a person, living or dead, that would be the focus of that documentary. Who would you pick?
0: Lucille Ball.
2: Wow. Oh, okay. Ooh, good choice.
0: Why is it why that choice? Let me tell you a story about a job interview I had once, (laughs) and I'm going to name names here. (laughs) We love that. It was the 80s. I'm going way below the waterline on this one. I've got to try to Howard Stern this one a bit. It was the (laughs) early 80s in Boston, Massachusetts, and Polaroid was a really hot company back then. And a company that anybody, I was in marketing at that point, I had left journalism and I was working at marketing firms at that point in my career. And I thought, wow, doing marketing for Polaroid would be cool because it's creating content and a creator company. If you were to, to go to Polaroid's brand archetype at the time, they were a creator. And I like being around creators. I'm not a creator, actually. But I have some creator rising in me. So I went on a job interview. I am a partial creator, but my brand archetype is Explorer. I went on the job interview. It was hard to get into. Forget how I got in there. And I got in there and had an interview with a gentleman who was, I think, going to be my boss. And he asked me a similar question, Brad. He said, It wasn't about making documentary films, but if you could have lunch with anybody, who would you have lunch with? And I thought to myself, what a great question. This guy is an amazing interviewer because he's not asking me about marketing techniques. He wants to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And so my answer is was that I would love to have lunch with Lucille Ball. And he cut me off and he said, No, somebody important, somebody that's really influenced your life. Oh wow! <laughs> and I said, I shall repeat myself, Lucille Ball. And I said, the reason that. I would choose to have lunch with Lucille Ball is that I think that she was completely underestimated for who she truly was. I think she she was a brilliant storyteller, an exquisite comedian, and she was a businesswoman in Hollywood before any women were in Hollywood. She broke the mold on women's roles. She pushed against her husband and was an equal player, if not really the star of the show, Yeah. when she and Athol got into their hijinks. And he did not like my answer. And it was, I forgot what he said, but he just said, that's not what I meant. And I said, what is what I meant. And I got up and I walked out of the job interview. <laughs> you are <were> authentic <laughs> to your I brand. <laughs> loved, yeah. And I guess what? I didn't get the job, but I didn't want the job. That's what I learned by answering that question. So I think that for all the reasons I said I would like to have lunch with her, I'm guessing there probably are documentaries on Lucille Ball, but I think that she icon. I think that she didn't have enough gravitas in that answer and I, again, she's underestimated I think she was a leader on so many different fronts, and as a young woman, I watched her show and I didn't see a lot of people out there, and she used comedy to break through some very hard social situations in the 60s when the role of women was really being circumscribed so instead of fighting she used hot comedy Mm. and she got what she needed out of life and i thought it was brilliant and she started a major production company she launched other careers she was brilliant
2: that kind of brings us back around full circle to what you're saying about high intelligence is comedic Mm We're going to get this wrapped up here because we want to not keep you longer than we promised. So we'll ask one more question here. And this one's kind of the futurist thinking here. And you've got, you run a company called Azure Media. People, folks, listeners, go check out her website. You can also check out her book, Transmedia Marketing. It's all about how we use those platforms to market. But this question is going to future cast here. So when you look across the landscape, I'll say that again. When you look across the marketing landscape, Make a prediction for us about what's next. Where is marketing going in, say, the next 10 years?
0: Well, the core concepts behind marketing will never change. The idea is to create a human connection, and emotion. The vehicles will change, for sure. And so you're going to see a lot more integration of different kinds of technologies that we see right now. You're going to see more personalized experiences. Obviously, AI and augmented reality are going going to be there. And I think that AI will create a lot more personalized experiences for people. You'll see virtual reality shopping, probably blockchain advertising, to really fraud, transparency, trust, those kinds of things. But I also think that is as is the case for many things, the pendulum is going to shift back again. I think people are hungering for collective and shared experiences because of the extreme isolation in this world. Or maybe this is a hope of mine rather than a a prediction. I'm not really sure. But while technology will allow us to be targeted as individuals and to express ourselves as individuals from our soapboxes, I think the shared experiences are going to come back. And I what I mean by that are things like immersive art and sound baths and theater and music festivals and cultural celebrations, parades, street art, museum exhibitions, public art installations, and still movies. And so I just think that if you look at trends over time, you always see that pendulum swing back and forth. And I feel the hunger for these collective experiences and the people that I'm with. And I, I think That may come back, and I think they will be operating simultaneously, these very personalized digital experiences and then these collective emotional experiences. I think you'll see them both. I also Hmm. think I'm going to throw my own personal lens on here, but I think it to be true that there'll be a huge awareness of the fragility of the earth if you look forward, say, 10 to 20 years. And I think that the existential crisis of climate change will be a daily aspect, and in some cases, a daily threat in people's lives. So I think there'll be a heightened consciousness in everything that we are doing around the the environment. And I hope also, this is now a hope and not a prediction, but I hope that there will be much more to Brad's caregiver there will be much more emphasis. I'd like to see in the very near future more emphasis on altruism and compassion, humility, and taking care of each other, taking care of humanity. So those are my. That's my hope. It's not a prediction, mm-hmm. but it sure is a hope.
2: And we all play a part in that.
1: History has shown that when people make predictions on the Digital to Learn podcast, they actually come true. There you go. So let me. <laughs> You've spoken it in Let hours. me reframe
0: that. Not only is it a hope, but it is also a prediction that we will have more consciousness and love and compassion and altruism for humanity.
2: Let's do it. Amen. Let's do it. What a great pleasure to have you on the show, and Thanks for agreeing to speak with us and share your amazing wisdom over these topics. We are so thankful to have had you join us here on the, on the podcast.
1: Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future.
0: Always keep learning.